Welcome everyone to the Nerd Journey Podcast, episode number 92. We're joining you every week to talk IT career progression and bring you the advice we wish we'd been given earlier in our careers. I'm your host, John White, at BJourneyman on Twitter, joined by my co-host, Nick Cordy, at NetworkNerd underscore. Hey Nick, how's it going? Hey John, I'm doing great. It's been kind of cool this week in Fort Worth, Texas, oddly enough, but hey, it is what it is. I like it. We are both pre-sales technical engineers with backgrounds in IT operations. We hope our career discussions will be vendor neutral, relevant across disciplines, and remain timeless. If you're enjoying our content, please drop us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you subscribe. And if you want to get in touch with us, tweet or DM at Nerd Journey. Ultimately, we're just two nerds on a journey. A journey to virtual enlightenment. So let's take a trip. Great, Nick. Hey, um... This is another one of our experimental episodes. We're trying out a, a new episode format, and we're kind of doing a roundup of career advice for IT professionals that we found in a Reddit forum. Um, so we just kind of took like the top posts of the week, um, picked some interesting ones, and we're going to kind of run through them and uh, you know do a little quick synopsis, uh, kind of try to categorize, see if we see any patterns in the questions, and then uh, give our reactions. Uh, does that sound good to you? Yeah. We will add advice from the John White School of Mentoring to every one of these posts. <laughs> All right. Why don't you go first? Okay. So the first one is called Keep Getting Entry-Level Jobs Due to Lack of Experience. And the poster has that exact problem. They keep applying for jobs and keep getting turned down because they don't have enough experience. But it turns out they have an A-plus certification, six months of IT experience, and they want to figure out how they can change their next interview. The ways I would categorize this are interviewing and resume writing. Now, it's interesting to me, in the comments, somebody suggests to the poster to really think about that six months of IT experience. And it turns out that the person not only had six months of experience, they also did an internship which again is experience. So it's really important that we remember experience comes in a lot of different formats, whether you're doing something like a pet project in the field of interest at home, that's experience. You know, we've talked about this before, working in your lab, building something there. I remember Cody to Arkland in one of the episodes he had, he talked about it would be really interesting for someone to tell about what they built and why they did it. And I think that's important to, to show off to the hiring manager or company you're interviewing at so that they know that, yes, while you may not have had a lengthy experience, you do have some experience that you can tout. Yeah. Yeah. I, th I think that that's right. And, um, you know, you want to show everything that's relevant. So if that person wasn't talking about everything that was relevant and putting everything that was relevant on the resume, then they were doing themselves a disservice because, you know, they weren't getting asked about everything and they didn't have a chance to really demonstrate the, the depth of their knowledge. And I think that that is an important thing to do, to make sure that you go into an interview, like with some goals, like, you know, you have... A certain amount of experience worked on a certain number of projects you really want a solid idea in your head of what it is that you are capable of doing you know what your experience was in um, what you accomplished 
um, maybe even a way that you measure like those accomplishments and be able to be ready to talk about them and then make sure that you know you are able to work those kind of points in especially when you have not that much experience right right and the resume is written with enough information to make it interesting and intriguing for someone who's interviewing you to ask about it and you to expound on it to give them more than what they read you get their attention and then you tell them more a little salesmanship right yeah to be able to talk about you know, to intrigue somebody, like you, you put the information on the paper, right? I did this, this is what I accomplished, you know, and this is how I measured that. And there's not, you know, that is a very, um, that begs for more details, right? Oh, what was the environment? Like how many people were helping you? What role did you play on that team? You know, those are the kinds of questions that an interviewer is naturally going to ask you about. So, you know, be ready to talk about that. Um, yeah. And maybe it's even a project you worked on while you were in school sure. and you collaborated with teammates and we did these things and, you know, it's not that far fetched and different from working on a team in the, for an employer. Yeah, exactly. Great. Ready to move on? Go for it. Okay. So the next post uh, that we took a look at was kind of the opposite landed a job with no degree in experience and once again we'll put the links in the show notes to these posts if you want to go and read them for yourselves so the synopsis on this one is that the poster landed an it job without experience um, that is only troubleshooting knowledge from uh, working with technology at home and also without an it related degree so uh, they worked at they're working as a junior engineer now where they will fix computers, laptops, and other components, and also install TVs. Um, so that, in my mind, equates to kind of, um, in the U.S., like the Best Buy Geek Squad type of, like an entry-level version of that, like maybe a little bit more independent, right? Anything that has a plug, right? That's what you work on. Um, so they were previously rejected for other jobs for not meeting the requirements and didn't meet the requirements for this job posting as well. Um, still... The person was hired. So uh, the advice that they want to give is, you know, sure, in, show interest and enthusiasm for, for learning and uh, enthusiasm for breaking in, right? So uh, I thought that it was interesting, right? This is a different type of post. It was more encouragement, like I can do it and so can you, and advice. This is what I did. You know, here's the path that I walked. Um, why don't you... Um, think about what I did and, and try to incorporate what I did into what you're doing. Almost like this person is speaking to the previous poster. Yeah, almost. And <laughs> I will say, John, mm -hmm. anything with a plug and or batteries is fair game. If you work the help desk, we all know this, <laughs> right? Yep. Entry level. Uh, my desk fan seems to not be working. I, I actually worked with a guy who would give me a hard time if if it took too long to get around to fix something for him. He'd be like, well, I guess I'll have to call Geek Squad. So Jamie <laughs> O'Pelt, if you're listening, I love you. <laughs> hey, Nick, the uh, cup holder on my PC doesn't seem to be retracting anymore. Oh, you mean the one that heats your coffee mug that's USB powered? We could, uh, we'll just recycle that. Okay, okay. <laughs> Um, actually, I just realized I dated myself with that reference. Like, 
PCs don't come with uh, CD trays anymore, do they? I think you can still get them. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure I just bought a desktop with a with a DVD wait, wait, wait. player in there. Wait, stop the episode. You just bought a PC with a DVD player? <laughs> yeah, that came as part of the package. It's a new PC, a new Dell PC in the box. I mean, we're going to have to have an unboxing episode for this. <laughs> <laughs> you mean to do a YouTube video on it? Like, you know, part one, you, you chose desktop over laptop. Part two, it came with a DVD player. Um, yeah, I'm beside myself. This is a this well, is yet a different another topic. Well, instead of judging me, why don't you give me your reactions to <laughs> to this post? Okay, um, you know, obviously, I was really happy, and um, for the poster, like you know that it it just feels good to see somebody who you know has gone through you know some struggles getting rejected before and now like actually achieving the thing that they wanted to achieve um and it just kind of goes to show you like what education do you actually need for it like how do you get experience in it right like and this is my maybe kind of like a universal problem like if every single job requires experience how do you get hired for any job ever right there has to be a job out there that does not actually require uh, require experience or it doesn't require traditional experience right so the, oh, I've done this at home. I, you know, build PCs as a hobby. Um, I think the poster actually mentioned that down in the comments, right? Well, that's practical experience. That's hands-on experience inside the guts of a PC. Um, and there's like generations of people who got their starts, you know, doing that. And, you know, that's kind of like a, a niche hobby nowadays. Like maybe the, uh, the gaming PC people are the only ones who really kind of hand build their own PCs. Uh, maybe, maybe that's not true, but, um, you know, regardless, you know, there's ways to get experience, um, regardless of whether it's, you know, in a professional setting or not. And for those entry level jobs, a lot of times what they are doing is looking for somebody who is enthusiastic, who's trainable, who can, you know, acquire that knowledge. If, if they wanted to hire somebody with five years experience, it wouldn't be an entry level job. Like it's, it's entry level, right? So that's kind yeah. of my reaction. And I think if you read a lot of posts in the Spiceworks community about people wanting to hire someone in the help desk, they're happy to train somebody with a good attitude who wants to learn, who wants to know more. Yeah. That's that's the message I've seen. And what's interesting about this post to me is it falls in line with some of the theories talked about in the book Switch by Chip and Dan Heath, how to change how to encourage change when change is hard. But they talk about finding the bright spots. So you're trying to change something. What's actually working for someone who is actually making a change and is successful? And this is something that worked. It's a bright spot. Right, right. One of the things that kind of struck me about this poster, you know, in this type of job where you're, you know, elbows deep into the guts of a PC is where do you go from there? And and that's something I you know, of a little bit of concern for me. Um, you know, that type of job is good. Um, and, you know, you have that hands-on experience. Um, if you want to get to the, like, next level, the next level probably isn't going to involve that, right? You might get to, like, the advanced version of this where you're maybe even, like, doing only, like, like the, the more difficult stuff, but that, that, that type of job kind of tops out um, maybe the highest level version of that job is providing like on-site tech support 
um, for like enterprise companies, like, you know, when they have servers and stuff in their data centers that, that go down and you sh show up in kind of a mobile van and, and swap out the, the pieces and parts until it works. Um, you know, that's the highest level of that job. And I still don't think that that pays as much as, you know, some people want to make. So, um, you know, there's a concern with like, not, you have to spend some time, like making sure that you're good at the job, but then you also have to spend some time thinking about how to progress. Like, you know, do you want to eventually get trained on operating systems? Do you want to get trained on networking, um, on security, on, on some like higher level aspect of it? And that's how you're, you know, going to progress in your IT career. Not you're probably, it is possible to progress as a like uh, enterprise, like a PC and server repair tech, but um, there's a ceiling there. Yeah. You're probably going to move up to more administrator. Right. Of the, you know, let's say you're in charge of corporate image management. Yep. End user computing. Mm-hmm. But at that point, you're on the operating system side, right? You're no longer opening up uh, uh, PC cases. Yeah, depends on where you work. Right. But in some cases, I agree, yeah. Now I'm judging you, John. What's it feel like? <laughs> well, I, I felt, you know, in my last IT job that it was too expensive to open up the PC case, right? Or the server case. Like, we needed to have... An outside contract to do that. Yeah, there you go. Makes sense. That was definitely something that we outsourced. All right, what's the next topic? So the next one is an IT job that pays well, but does not offer good experience. So the poster doesn't feel like the work that they do is actually valuable enough to get to the next level they want. They want to be an expert in their field and feel like all they do is support customer computer and phone problems and mess with network cables. They said the pay is very good, but they're stuck in basic help desk with not a lot of chance to work on new technologies. In my mind, this was kind of a do I stay or do I go based on what I want to do and how can I advance my career. So when I thought about it, after working the help desk for a number of years, I still think that it's great to help you build soft skills that you can highlight in future interviews. You know, working with those end users, having a good rapport with them, being able to talk them through the problem, helping them find a solution. Those are skills. Not everybody likes doing it. Not everybody is good at working with people in that way, especially when there's pressure on you to fix somebody's issue. Definitely, yeah. And honestly, if you're working on, if you're in the break-fix area, maybe there's an opportunity to help automate some of those repeating problems. Yeah, that's a really good point. And uh, learning the tools to automate those things is, is probably a really good place to start. Um, I also, like something you said, I think right before talking about automation, you mentioned um, the skill of people interaction. I think that is so valuable. I mean, I know that probably for our job, it is one of the more defining skills, right? Uh, the the joke when you're looking for pre-sales technical engineers is, you know, there's a bunch of people in IT and not all of them know how to talk to people. Some of them you keep away from people 
and uh, just have them solve problems remotely by ticket because they can't interact with people or they never learned or they don't care to learn. But caring to learn and, you know, gaining that people interaction skill is the gateway to like much, much higher paying jobs. So learning to care. Learning to care and learning how to interact, you know, to yeah. to be in that customer service business and the building rapport business and how to influence people business. Yeah. Speaking of rapport, if you have a good rapport with your manager, maybe this situation is an opportunity to talk about what you really want to do long term and how you can get projects in your current role that align with that. Yeah, that's a really good point. You know, you want to be able to have a career um, arc conversation with your manager and have them support you in that career vision, right? To be able to tell you, hey, these are the ways that you can go in this organization. And, you know, I'm I'm here to support you and the organization is here to support you in growing in those ways. Um, so I think that is a really good point. Yeah, I remember one time. Uh, I think I was already working under Tom Delicati, some of our one of our first guests, and it was a, a particular project came up, and I went over to him and I said, "Hey, I'm pretty confident you've already done this, but I've never done it. If you don't mind, I would love to just take this on." And yeah, he said, "Okay, cool, <laughs> awesome." Yeah, that's the kind of initiative or. You know, especially if it's the first time that you're doing something like that, you can ask for like guidance and pointers and, and oversight and those kinds of things. But um, yeah, you know, building out that that tool set and tool belt on your own and project list, that's exactly what you're looking for. Ready for the next one? Yep. So the next one is how to transition from tech support to DevOps or other technical roles. Now, this particular poster has worked in IT support for about three years, but wants to move to a cloud or DevOps engineer position. They don't have coding skills, but they do have a little bit of knowledge of software release processors, and they wanted advice to on how to get started handling job interviews about their previous experience. They've been very honest with the experience they have on their resume, but they're just not getting calls back. So to me, this speaks to career advancement, it speaks yep. to a skills gap and someone asking for what resources are available from a group of people who know mm -hmm. and also hits on resume writing and interviewing. So it covers some of the same categories, but I thought some of the responses were actually really good, especially mm -hmm. the one where the person said that they needed to change their mindset and how they answer metrics related questions. Because when you're working a help desk or doing a support ticket type role, your metrics are probably related to ticket resolution or number of tickets closed and certain SLAs. Well, in DevOps engineering, it's more service level objectives or SLOs and availability metrics. So maybe if you can reclassify something you've done using that new set of metrics that people hiring managers for the new role would care about that would help them to understand that you can make that mindset shift and learn whatever you need to learn to, to take on the new role, even though you don't have the experience. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes that makes a lot of sense. Having that mindset and and maybe also just understanding what it is that you're asking for, right? Because if you want to work in DevOps, like, you know, I think one of the commenters mentioned, well, that's really the collision of software engineering and IT operations. So if you have experience on one side, but have no experience on the other and no skills on the other side, then like that's going to be a difficult place for you to live, right? Because, you know, DevOps, you know, is a more of a process than it is, you know, a process and a practice than it is a like job title. I mean, you can have a job title that says DevOps and not actually do any DevOps, right? So the idea being that you're, the team is creating and supporting the the product, right? So if you're not actually helping to create the product, then um, I don't, I'm not sure like in that DevOps realm, you know, how you'd be useful. Um, so sure. you, you want to get that experience, you know, doing that other side of, of the job of the DevOps job. And, and I think there are some valuable, you know, pointers to like, you know, um, a roadmap to getting to, you know, to DevOps. So I think, you know, if, if other people are interested in finding out about that, then, then click through on the link and maybe we'll, we'll copy paste that, that link that was referenced in there the uh, roadmap.sh slash DevOps. Yeah. Or we'll just say it. Well, yeah, we'll just say it, write it down. No, I think that, I think when you see the word DevOps in a job title, you mm-hmm. probably need to read the requirements and qualifications for the role because as you said, it may or may not mean what you think it means. So based on the organization, they may think DevOps is something that, may or may not be in line with what you thought you wanted. So read that carefully, make sure and write that resume so that it catches what this particular employer is after, you know, in, in the experience you have and, and showing how the metrics of what you're doing can support that type of role. Right. Right. But, you know, going back to your original point, kind of the, the mindset, you know, approach, with the mindset of the job that you want, as opposed to the metrics of the job that you have. Um, and that's going to be a really good start. And if you read the kind of source documents on the, that job that you want, like in DevOps or if you, you know, you know, the site reliable and en- site reliability engineer, um, job, you know, read the, I think the Google published like an open book on, on what SRE is and and how to implement it. If you adopt those mindsets, you know, as much as you can, because, you know, it's a practice again. So if your current organization isn't doing it, then, you know, you can't really change the organization, you know, from where you are. So uh, all you can do is change yourself and the way that you look at things And, and, and be flexible, right? Like you can, you know, don't try to impose that viewpoint on the rest of the organization. That's probably not going to work. Sure. And this is a chance to get mentored by somebody who's already doing the job. Yeah. You know, find people who are doing the thing you think you want to do and talk to them, ask them what their transition was like, how they got there, what what they think you need to do. And again, like we said in the other post earlier, Talk to your manager and tell them what you're after. Tell them what your interests are. 
maybe there's a way to feed you some of those things in what you do now so that there's this horizontal and then step up Mm -hmm. to where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. You know, again, it's like, how do you talk to your current management about career path? And and you should maybe go and talk to them about career path kind of with an open mind. You can you can say, well, some of the things I've thought about are X and Y, but you know I'm concerned about the unknown Z, right? And then maybe they can tell you about what Z looks like within that organization, which is something you hadn't thought about, which might be interesting, right? So um, again, another mindset change, right? Just you have to find out what the career paths are within the organization, and if you want to stay there. Sure. Or you pull the Tom Delicati uh, Trojan horse and sell them on a new role that they need with skill sets that you have. I would recommend that everyone go back and listen to episode 45 about career conversations with your manager because that's a, I thought we had some decent advice in that one along these same lines. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Ready to move on to the next one? Yes, sir. Awesome. Okay. Our last topic is just found out that I am the lowest paid employee at my MSP and I am very upset. Um, interesting, intriguing uh, title writing. Already a good sign. So the synopsis is the poster was hired at below what they were asking for at a small MSP. That's a managed service provider for those who don't know. And was the sole help desk person for a while. Put tons of effort into the job. Uh, felt like they demonstrated a lot of loyalty to the to the employer and to the customers um you know really putting in some some sweat into into the job they finally hired a junior person to help uh with the workload and to move the uh original poster up within the organization um although that person struggled a lot especially with work from home and uh, coronavirus and and all that um so like that person seems to have you know, the junior person seems to have uh, uh, gotten straightened out. So that's always good. So they're, you know, that person is actually being helped now, the original poster. Uh, but then the original poster found out that the junior makes more than the poster, like more at hiring. And even, um, you know, the the original poster had like, you know, a really smart idea, which was, sure, I'm going to accept this job, you know, at below my original um, you know, salary demand, but what's the roadmap to that salary demand? So the, the owners like worked out a, a process and, and that the poster actually got that raise at 13 months. Um, so despite that, this junior person is still making more than the original poster. So um, when the poster found out, just really saw red, uh, just made him furious. So immediately left, he just walked out um, and was just angry enough to like not work there anymore. Um, so there's actually an addendum and, and an edit and a follow-up. Um, instead of you know quitting or, or whatever, they scheduled a meeting with the owners the next day and uh, had calmed down by that point and just told the owners how upset he was and justified being paid more um, by all the stuff that he had done. And that worked, got a raise and, um, and some additional perks. So that, that's a happy ending to that story. Um, so, you know, how would I categorize this? How would I tag this? Maybe, you know, asking for a raise, um, equitable pay, uh, problem and resolution and anger. 
<laughs> um, my reaction to this, I don't know what yours was, Nick, but you know, my first reaction was you don't need to wait until you found out you're being paid less than somebody else to go ask for a raise, right? You need to figure out, you know, whether you're being paid equitably, um, you know, to the amount of effort that you're doing and the amount of skill that you have and, you know, how you're demonstrating that, you know, loyalty to the organization and to the customers by, by putting in, you know, long quality hours. Um, and, and that actually leads me to my second point. Um, it makes sense for owners to put in sweat equity uh, when, you know, they're trying to build something, but it doesn't make sense for somebody who's not an owner to put in sweat equity when they're not getting compensated with equity in part ownership or it, with money, right? With advancement. So, you know, this idea of like, I'm showing loyalty to the company, I'm showing loyalty to the customers, you know, that that's very, that's, that's a problem, right? I, I think that that makes sense. Like you can talk about putting in long hours, but you know, like on a six month rotation, you really need to have a conversation with the management at the organization to say, Hey, this is what I've been doing. Um, you know, this is what the requirements are, which are, you know, this is what I've been doing, which is far and above the requirements. Like what is the compensation for that? Right. I, f I feel like, you know, um, if it's not a raise then a performance bonus is in order, um, you know, or some kind of, some kind of uh, performance, you know, recognition. And if it's consistent, if you're consistently going above and beyond what the expectations of the, of the, the job are, then you need to be compensated for that. You know, however that compensation comes, it can't be with, you know, oh, you know, just a title bump or something like that. You know, that always is nice, but, you know, typically, you know, compensation comes in the form of money. So, right. And maybe this is a lesson learned for all of us that we should be asking about does the company give annual compensation bumps? You know, how is that reviewed through during the interview process? Yeah. What is your performance review process? Mm -hmm. Is it annual? What, what is, what does it look like? Yeah. And how hey. is that tied to compensation or is that? Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. There's a really interesting comment, um, a little bit further down in the thread where somebody said, I'd rather say, I think my worth is, x dollars and i demand it from you instead of i've been loyal to this company and it's immoral that you pay my colleague more than me um which is i think goes back to your mindset change right like the the offensive part isn't that this person's being paid more the offensive part is that you're not being compensated fairly for the amount of effort and quality of of output that you're you're putting right so um you know this is how i perform and i deserve to be paid this much. I don't know about the demand part that, but that's just, you know, quibbling with the wording that the, the commenter made. It's like, Hey, this is how much I'm worth. This is how I'm performing. I'm performing at X dollars level and you're paying me at X minus whatever. So what can we do? I've been consistently performing at X dollar level. I feel like we need to close that gap. And what's the process for that happening? Yeah. And it's really hard to remove the emotion from that conversation on either side because it's just uncomfortable sure. because I don't think we have those conversations a lot. We probably don't practice them. So it's really uncomfortable. You know, if you're a new manager or even a season manager, that may still be uncomfortable for you. Sure. 
but I remember I had one boss and he asked me as soon as I joined the team, you know, did you have any agreements with your former boss about leveling up or reaching the next um, designation and a raise that I need to know about? Because he said he had lost somebody for not getting that out of the way up front and mm. he didn't want to make that mistake again. Right. Right. Makes absolute sense. And I think that like, that's like a very open and honest way to have that, you know, have that discussion. Yeah. Sorry. I didn't clarify. It was a transfer of bosses within the same company. So, right. Right. You're working under one manager. There's a reorg. You move to a different manager and on coming on board to that manager's team, that manager said, Hey, I need to, you know, one thing up front is like, I need to know if you had like some kind of, um, career progression agreement with your previous manager that, that I need to, to find out about and then talk to that other manager and figure out the status on. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. Makes absolute sense. Cool. Um, Hey, anything else before we get out of here? I think that this was an interesting, uh, experiment. Um, I think we skewed to, you know, early career, um, issues here. Um, I don't think it's always going to be like this. And I also don't think that we're always going to do episodes like this, but um, it was certainly an interesting experiment. Yeah, I've liked it. And I hope that if you're listening, you understand that there are forums that you can ask these questions. You know, some of these had hundreds and hundreds of vote ups. Other people have the same questions because they're wondering just like you are. So it doesn't hurt to ask the question. Yeah. You just you just might get help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it is Reddit, so like you you might get embroiled in a flame war in the comment section too. So take that. There's that out. as well. Yeah. <laughs> the the flame war aficionados are there. But just a reminder, we want people to subscribe and give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. We want to know if we're being helpful and are always looking for interesting questions to ponder. We're collectively on Twitter at Nerd Journey. All right. Farewell, listeners. Tune in next time as the journey continues. I'm John White at The Journeyman for Nick Cordy at NetworkNerd underscore signing off. Adios. Don't be that person that starts a flame war on Reddit.